gotta feel it Who's got a hold on me
Saturday morning, that means it's time for Michael Nesco's Renegade Rock here on the Rogue Radio Podcast Network, bringing all the great music every Saturday morning, 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, and the first Saturday of the month we have interviews, and today we have a Cleveland legend as part of our Focus on Cleveland uh, series. Uh, welcome, Cleveland legend Alan Green to Renegade Rock. Welcome, Alan. Hi, Mike. How are you? Man, it's great to have you on the show. Quit, quit throwing that word around because that's a big word, and I appreciate it. But thanks, and, <laughs> legend. Yeah. <laughs> no, you are a Cleveland legend. I. We don't use ten dollar words. We go I, with twenty five cent words here. Please. I mean, I left Cleveland in seventy two, but when I moved back in ninety seven, one of the first guys I I heard about was Alan Green, and and. Wow. Uh, you know, there's a reason for that, Mike, and it has to do with how old I am. I've been doing this for, been, you could, you could You're go even down older than me. I can't believe it, man. Oh, yeah, I am. I don't know how that happened, but, or why. Yes, and, uh, <laughs> but anyway, Alan, it's great to have you on the show. Um, so, Good to be here, Mike. So we started off the show with Blues Got a Hold on Me. That's sort of a recent uh, uh, lineup for you and uh, sort of, representative of what you're doing now you want to talk about that a little bit yeah the the band is the the band as it stands today is has been together now i'm gonna almost say maybe 10 years at different time periods for different members okay everybody kind of came into this lineup uh in a staggered you know not all at the same time but um it's solidified and uh we've been you know it's probably it's it's my favorite band that i've uh that i've had um the lead singer and harmonica player's name is Tom Odegaard, goes by the name Odie to his friends. Bass player's name is Justin Butcher, and drummer is Rob Luoma. And uh, it's just a really uh, fun band to play with. No drama. Uh, I like the tune. Great, great stuff, really. That uh, um, Blue's Got a Hold on Me was written by Odie, Tom Odegaard, and... Uh, uh, he, he does. He has a good way with words and, and lyrics and whatnot. And then we just interpret it. You know what I mean? He's a harp player, so he kind of presents a basic thing. And then we. I, I dig your style. You, you, you. I mean, uh, out of all the Cleveland guys around here, um, you definitely have the most uh, British influence uh, in your playing. I, that, at least that's what I hear. Well, I appreciate that. And it, it, I mean, it sounds like you were definitely into early Clapton and and. Uh, uh, Peter Green and stuff like that. Yeah, that's very perceptive of you. Um, <clears throat> truth is, uh, my early influences when I was learning, <clears throat> pardon me, it was during the 60s, you know, the mid-60s, uh, the whole thing with Clapton and Beck, Hendricks and uh, Page, you know, the four guys. The great years. Who, who kinda, 
yeah, those were wonderful years. And that was all new at the time. It was all happening at the time for the first you know, it wasn't classic rock yet, or if you want to call I it. I know. Clackle. Isn't that crazy? So it, it, it was the new current, cutting-edge stuff. So at any rate, I started playing. And uh, those were my inspirations. In terms of blues, uh, They, I got introduced to the blues kind of through those. Likewise. Th- those people. But uh, I learned over the years following, I learned to... Uh, look back and see where they were getting their inspiration. Oh, and congratulations from, and, you know. on your uh, induction into the Cleveland Blues Hall of Fame, my friend. Oh, that, well, thank you, Michael. I appreciate that. That must have been a nice thrill. That was a really unexpected and nice thing to, to happen. I'm, I'm real, uh, really made me feel good and kind of a little bit of, you know, acknowledgement of uh, the years. <laughs> <laughs> Always, any 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 good thing is a yes. My, Taking I, the can down the musical road is, is a, <laughs> you know, somebody said, oh, oh, he's getting old. We better, he's getting old. We better kind of say something nice about him. So, do you still have that beautiful classic car? Oh, I do. Yeah, I sure oh, do. Oh man, I, I, that's I, a honey. What a honey, isn't it? Yeah, it's a six. I'm sorry, it's a 1954 Pontiac Star Chief, and it's a, it's kind of the deluxe model, and it's uh, got the skirts on it in the factory, you know. Danny it's Coker really be- would be at your house buying it off you if he was here, man. No, I'll call him. <laughs> Get him over here. You never know. Hey, um, Alan. <laughs> Go ahead. go ahead. No, no, I'm just gonna, go ahead. I'm just gonna. I'm just gonna cut back real quickly to your earlier question about that song. The blues got a hold on me. Uh, we recorded that, and um, we did that. The CD uh, was recorded and produced and co- co-produced, I should say, by Dale Peters from uh, bass from player from James the Gang. James Gang. Of course, I've known Dale for many, many years, and he's always had a recording. Uh, side of his career and he does a lot of producing and this anyway I've known him for so long and so he he and I kind of co-produced it and uh, he has a he had a real nice home studio and then uh, we also did the basic tracks at Mike Mahelly he has a he had he's a drummer then my yeah, original I've, I've met drummer Mike. he used to play with uh, didn't he play with Stibbs at the jam nights well, he did that, yeah. He also used to be in the uh, original Armstrong Bearcat band back when. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, <clears throat> then he became a, a drummer in my band. At my first, my first shot at having a band, the Alan Green Band. Mike was uh, pretty uh, instrumental there in um, getting that together. But so we recorded basic tracks at his place: guitar, you know, rhythm stuff, bass, drums, because he had a good drum sound at his hooked up. And then we went over to Dale's place and finished them up so that was self self-produced i guess you could we did we did get a an award from the blue society uh, and then i was just going to add that the cleveland blue society voted it for best uh local or locally produced or self-produced cd of that year that we put it out fantastic, fantastic. so that was kind of a nice thing of course i'm not sure they had too many choices other than that to choose from so i, I don't know any which way <laughs> so alan who was the first moment when you uh said man this is it i want to play music was it the beatles who was it i mean yes it was the beatles because uh if you're not from you know if you're if you're from later era you don't realize the impact that the beatles had because I, I remember see i grew up when i was young i was i took trumpet lessons and i took i played trumpet in all the school band so i had like a sort of a musical wow. early, tra- early training if you want to say 
and not really knowing or thinking about it, but I did. I did have some sort of training and playing with. Do you still play pitch. trumpet a little no, bit? No, no. I, I have it. I'm looking at one right now. You can old, if you my, want to, though, right? Oh, I could blurt. I could blurt out a scale or two, but it's like that's that kind of thing. You lose it. You lose it real quick if you don't keep it up. I bet. I bet. But uh, but I. I I used to do that and play in all the bands and orchestras and marching bands, high school and all wow, that stuff. So that's I, was, I was way, I was way, I was very into it. And then along, along came the Beatles, and uh, changed all and, of our lives, man. Yeah, yeah. Me and all my uh, friends and peers were bowled over, and uh, I want to do that. That's what I want to do right there. So, uh, like, like, okay, we're going to be a Beatle, sure. So you were but a anyway, teenager. I was only ten. Yeah. You, you had to be a teenager by then, right? Yeah, uh, I was seventeen, I believe, in, uh, when the when they showed up in '64. Yeah, so I, that that was it. And then my friends and everybody, you know, my very close friends, kind of all got the same itch. And we didn't have any idea, notion of career making, you know, any career about it. Was it was all, all a wanted, dream, you know. We just wanted to play, and it was right. so cool. What was your first Every, guitar? Oh my gosh, my first, very first electric guitar was uh, a Goya Rangemaster. I know it exactly. <laughs> Are you kidding me? A uh, Goya, yes. Are you kidding? I, I should, I should have known you would know that. I mean, uh, I'm Mike. seventy. I'm seven years younger, but I still remember all those old guitars. Yeah, guys. Goya was a, a guitar company that made flamenco and classical yeah, guitars. Yeah, I knew totally. They were like very, very established name. So it was a semi. It was a hollow body, right? No, well, they, no. they made a hollow body version, but they also made a solid body version, which wow. was one I had. And um, it was like, uh, you know, <laughs> every all the companies were, all those established <laughs> companies were trying to jump on the bandwagon and get electric guitars. You know, right, even right. Martin guitars started trying to make electric guitars. So what did you play it through? What was your first amp? Believe it or not, I had a, a, it's a very nice amp. I had a Fender Bandmaster. Wow, that was now, cool for back then, my, man. My, yeah, now uh, my, my parents obviously sprung for it and felt some sympathy to, in order to do that to me, <laughs> for, for me. And uh, I, uh, we had the band I was in, the very first band I was ever in in 66, I think it was, you know, real stupid, primitive stuff, you know, back then. We were just all kids. And, but uh, somehow they sprung for it. We got Fender Bandmaster. It was a beautiful, I don't have it anymore. It's probably worth money now. I know it is. It's but, worth thousands. Are you, you know, kidding? You know, the, black, the bl black face, you know. And it was wow. A, I still have, by the way, I have a cabinet downstairs. It's immaculate. Never been uh, hardly, hardly ever seen the light of day. I, I like your gold top Les Paul with the tremolo on it. Oh, well, it's a that's a beauty. That's my like number one. What go year is that? Guitar. Well, that's like an early '90s kind of a reissue of the '60s, 1969. Yeah, looks, you know, it looks like a the old style. Oh yeah, it's got all that. It's got all the sixty accoutrements. Uh, <laughs> it's got the neck, you know, the slim neck. It's got all the various thing and so anyway it's a beauty it's a kind of a real honey and then i got a i got a bunch i like yourself i probably you probably have a lot of guitars right nah just a few cheap ones i only have a couple good ones okay i got a couple of i'm gonna tonight i'm playing tonight I, I used to but i sold them or pawned them or lost them all you know yeah um what i got two old 64 uh reverse gibson firebirds you know yeah and, i've seen you with those yeah. those are nice I'm going to probably take one of those with me to this gig I'm doing. Uh, so, 
tonight, tonight as we speak. Well, this is Mike Onesco. You're listening to Renegade Rock. We're talking to Alan Green, Cleveland legend and great guitar player and newly inducted Cleveland Blues of Hall of Fame member. And we're going to go to a break and listen to his tune called 407, and we'll be right back with Alan Green.
All right, welcome back to Renegade Rock. That was 407. Tell us about that. That's a pretty cool instrumental, man. Yeah, that was kind of a real crazy... Uh, that just kind of all happened. Um, we we used to have um, a little side band, me, Mike Mahelly, and, uh, and Dale Peters, ironically. Um, we just did a little occasional, very occasional gig. You were mostly here on the east side of Cleveland, and it was called MPG because of Mahaley Peters Green, and that was our little thing. So nobody really knew who we were. It wasn't uh, a very visible group, and it was kind of even against my better judgment because it was a fly-by-night, uh, fly-by-the-seat-of-your-pants, not fly-by-night, but fly-by-the-seat-of-your-pants experiment where we are just going to go out without no song list or nothing. We didn't have a singer. What the hell? <laughs> Boy, what are we dangerous. Gonna <laughs> that is dangerous. It really is. And um, we're going to just kind of jam. And, and we kind of got into this mentality where we used to just do, you know, a lot of it was based on traditional f- foundations, you maybe a blues format or this or that, and then we're kind of going off on it and stuff. Or, and, and you never know. It was just kind of really a, a little insane. And like I said, we didn't play very often. It wasn't a thing you could really sell or market. Or you know, We played one or two, three places around the, the home base. The jamming is the coolest thing you can do. So, we did, so we did that. We, and it was like kind of a, a nervous going into a gig like that because what the hell? What if we totally <laughs> crash and burn? I mean, <laughs> we got to do something here. To, we're going to get paid for something. We got to do something. And I was probably more anxious about it than the other two guys were. But we just came up with stuff. So that 407, getting back to that, I had a um, a digital delay set up on top of my amp head, and I uh, just uh, I just punched it up randomly, and it came up a four hundred and seven milligrams. I was trying uh, milligrams. What am yeah, I So that about? became the name. No, of no, the... Wait, let's, let's say milliseconds. <laughs> right, milliseconds. Right, I, I think milligrams. I just gave away. I think I just gave away too much right there. <laughs> Alan, we can edit that if you want. <laughs> <laughs> no, I like it. I think it's pretty damn funny. Millisomething. Millis. Millipedes. Millipedes. No, so, anyway, how, um, so how did you so, end up? Uh, no, go ahead, finish. Well, it's, I'll keep it shorter. Uh, a long story shorter. I, I just kind of wanted a certain echo tempo, and I just kind of got to it, and it just happened to be 470 milliseconds. And so, for lack of a name, let alone a song, perfect. Uh, we just called it 407. Perfect. Okay, and I just started <laughs> playing this. I just started playing this echo riff, you know, this kind of like slap back echo, kind of this repeating echo. And we just jammed off into a, essentially a kind of a 12 bar um, uh, foundation, and I just kind of went with the echo thing and got silly, and uh, that's all it was. It was just an experiment and live terror. Not know what, you know, make it up at the moment. And then we kept doing it. And so uh, that's the basic story on cool. that song. So well, how did I, and I, listen, I'm a big Humble Pie fan. I love, I always thought Jerry Shirley was uh, comparable to Bonham. He was a great drummer. He made the band sound really heavy. He was a tremendous drummer. People don't even realize Yeah. It. How did you end up uh, hooking up with Jerry Shirley? Well, uh, it's important to say. And then what what are the rumors about, because when I moved back here in 97, there was a big thing where everybody was mad at him because he ripped off some charity or something. Kind of self-imploded local scene with his his, uh, ways, you know, he... um, he he grew up and his guy that humble pie they were like 17 18 years old when it became famous and uh their lives were kind of not the same as mine or probably yours uh 
they 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 were like pretty big time in their day. An early super. Are you kidding? Even. Humble Pie were the kings. Yeah, man. Uh, definitely. Like that film Maurice rocking the Fillmore is like yeah. legend. Yes, it is. And you know, uh, and Steve Marriott left the Small Faces and joined, and then Peter Frampton, and he was he moved to Cleveland during the maybe somewhere during the later later 80s. And uh, he was on tour, I think, with Joey Mullen, Badfinger or something. I saw like him on tour with Steve Marriott in the 80s. They played at the Omni in Oakland. It was a three-piece. It was Jerry Shirley. Was it uh, called Packet of Three? or was No, it, called, it was uh, Humble Pie. It was, oh, it was Humble Pie, okay. Yeah, but they had, I don't know who was on the bass. Yeah, the original bass player was Greg Reedley, but he's passed yeah, away. Yeah, I know. But- um, <laughs> well, at any rate, uh, he moved to Cleveland because he was on... He was traveling with some, uh, playing drums with either Joey Moland or Badfinger or somebody. Because, you know, these guys, they, a lot of them know each other pretty well from the, or their earlier days. And in fact, him and Joey were very good, good friends and stuff. And we would cross paths on the road a lot of times because we were booked by the same agency out of Minneapolis, you know. So we'd be on this classic rock circuit. Did you guys ever do any studio recordings with that lineup? Or were you, just, were you out as Humble Pie? It was Jerry, Jerry Shirley. Uh, it, we did. We recorded uh, nothing released. Uh, the idea was to try to get something going and uh, and have something out. But we did about seven, eight songs in Detroit. We recorded and uh, they're they're really good. You know, it, it never blossomed and bloomed into anything. But see, by this time, you know, Jerry was older and his uh, wild ways were kind of catching up to him. And he was always <laughs> trying to he was always trying to behave. But uh, being a fan and being a uh, somebody wants to thank you as a fan. They want to show their love for you and the support. And you know, come on, let's get let's get high, let's get a drink. Come on, let me buy you this. Oh, sometimes yeah. he was oh, sometimes yeah. he was trying not to do that, but it's hard to resist after if you're doing a live show and you've got a name like Jerry and Humble Pie did. So it's always kind of a precarious, right? Uh, so you know that whole that whole thing that I met him when he was in town. Getting back to that, um, and joined him on stage for a jam and uh he and i were like grinning at each other digging it a lot i was having a good time with him and he was having a good time with me and digging it next thing i know uh, a couple of weeks pass and the phone rings and i get a call say hello this is jerry shirley i want to do I got a gig in pittsburgh would you be interested in doing it so that was it and i called him back and uh spent the next 10 years at doing every gig with them yeah no, we, didn't, we didn't we didn't play every week it was like a couple times a month or maybe a week here or a week Doesn't there you know, I like, mean, that's... but uh, i did get to go to germany with them and whatnot to me, was not a here. band is only as good as his drummer and when you have a guy like jerry shirley on drums i mean that's just there's no question there's no question the drummer and the bass player, the rhythm section, make or break any band. If you don't have a good drummer, you, you don't have a good band. I hate to say that. But I agree, totally. I know you do. I know, I know. Because, <laughs> you, you know, you've, not everybody uh, experiences certain things. And, you know, with the proliferation of the mentality of um, ongoing jam night mentality, I call it. You know, because that seems to be the new thing these days. People don't get a taste of... Uh, necessarily working with the right people or, or the real strong people who have it uh, success in their guns in their eyesights gun sights you know what I mean yeah they, they, they want to make it and they want and they they really uh, excel uh, exceed the other people's capabilities and uh, you, you, getting a good drummer uh, having a good solid drummer and bass player that's it I mean the other guys can stop playing entirely and the band still is cooking 
the bass player and the drummer. You don't even need a band. That's how important they are. Oh, I agree. I, I mean, when I do a record, I, my whole thing is built around the drums. So you know, absolutely. You gotta, sure. you gotta have a. So Alan, we're running out of time here. Just no. uh, if you have any words of wisdom, what, what's going on for you right now? Right, what's going on with Alan Green? Are you working on any new recordings or? No, I. You know, I, uh, I toyed with that notion for a while. I just. As I get older, and I hate to sound this way and get into this whole thing, the, nature has a nasty way of making you slow down things. I'm going and, through uh, it right now, my friend. <laughs> it's kind of a, it's a, it's um it's a conflict, but it, it, there's no way to avoid it. I mean, you can certainly avoid the attitude. You don't have to be an old person, but physically, physically, that's another story. Tough, physically, you don't have too much say in it. No, you um, don't. You don't. Anyway, or metaphysically, I, whatever. Yeah, I don't get too. Uh, but so what I'm, I, I've kind of cut back on the amount of gigs that I'm taking because we were. I used to book the band into. You know, I got to fill up that calendar. It's always got to be Friday, yeah, Saturday, all the time. Not That's, as much as Butch, but you were out there. You know. Well, I, I was. Uh, that, the goal was to keep the band working all the time, and then like during the COVID thing in 2020, everything stopped. Everything, no gigs. Everything stopped. So uh, I started getting a little more perspective on things. I leaned back. Oh, this feels good. I'm glad I'm not playing tonight. Not that I don't want to play, Mike. I, I, it's still, yeah, it's still the you most. You got to play music your whole life, isn't that great? Yeah, it, it, yeah it's really something, and it, it's the most important thing to this day. I, I never enjoyed playing more than I do today, in spite of everything I'm saying. So. Um, yeah, I just got to, I'm going to cut back. The, the guys were cool with it, you know. I just booked the places that we know we like. Selective place. Selective places that we like to play. They know us around Cleveland, greater Cleveland vicinity. We know them. They know what they're getting. We know what we're getting. And it's like you walk in and you're at home. Rather than just, oh, i got to fill up the calendar and playing sports bars, which is bullshit, you know, with television going and nobody's listening. <laughs> nobody's I, even I just listening. Got, I know. It's I like... just got, I got very burned out on that. And sick of it. And, That's why and, I don't um, do clubs. I, I, I mean, I used to love playing the Sly Fox because it was a concert yeah. club, right? And you could rock out and and you know had a nice stage. But it's yeah. hard for me. I mean, it really is, especially doing original music in Cleveland, Ohio. Yes, no doubt about it. It's just rough. no doubt about it. So, Alan, any words of wisdom for our listeners who are up and coming guitar players? in the business that want to be rock and roll heroes or or just interested in being a musician what what, what do you say to those people well in a, in a nutshell um for one thing don't get sucked into you know what's trendy all the time and keep changing directions because this trend is going on strong and then later it's not and then you're so you're saying you stick with your guns stick, right? stick with whatever moves you the most like if it's in the case of blues you know if, if that is at the heart of your music it doesn't have to be hardcore old style blues it could be modern you know uh take on it or rock blue what keep that in the thing keep that in the mix if you otherwise i, I mean i've been around people who are like chasing ghosts they'll never find it man they'll never find it because they don't know what they want there's something in your in musical in your in your being that you respond to the most and that's what you want to do if you could just stay with it stay true to it and eventually it'll uh, you'll get better and better and people will notice it uh that's i think that's pretty important right there is just don't go with the everything trendy have your own uh have your own thing. Good words of wisdom, Alan. And I just wanted to thank you personally 
for appearing on my guitar on me record two years ago. It was a pleasure to have you there and to come oh. down. And thank you for coming to the live event also. That really meant a lot to me for you to oh, do that. Oh, that was show. fun. I, well, I think highly of you, Michael. Very cool. Well, I really, I appreciate uh, I, that. I, I, and I thank uh, you for having me on your on that CD that you put out, amongst the other great guitar players. Twenty Cleveland guitar players, isn't that insane? Yeah, that was insane, and uh, it was pretty. That's not out. even and, all of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Well, listen, yeah, Michael. Either. I mean, Michael. I was thinking of I Michael, Michael. I was thinking of Michael Bay. We we should. Uh, have, okay. I knew he got inducted in the Blues Hall of Fame with you, didn't he? Yes, he did. And I job. feel bad. I want. I should have had him on the record, but I, I haven't been in touch with Michael for so long. I just sort of forgot about it, you know. And well, you had some good shredders on your record. Yeah, I know. But we have all kind of players on there. It's just not shredders. So no, I know that. Yeah. Cool. Well, listen, uh, Alan, thank you for coming on Renegade Rock. And, My pleasure. And we're going to continue playing your music on the show, and I'm sure I'll be running into you somewhere in the scene somewhere. And uh, don't hang up. I am still want to talk to you after I hit, hit the record button here. All righty. Thank you, Alan Green, for coming on Renegade Rock. Renegade Rock. 